right, everyone. Welcome to episode six of Beers, Business, and Balls. I'm your host, Jake Zimmer, alongside Will Tondo. We're keeping our segments nice and quick today as we've got two great guests. We'll tell you all about them and you'll get to know them along with us uh, as the episode goes on. But the theme for this week, as if you have been a loyal follower on Instagram and Twitter, is Bryant University, go dogs, and giving back. So, Will, before we dive into things, let's check in with you. How are you doing so far? I see that your beard has uh, finally gotten untamable. So uh, what's up with that? Well, yeah, I mean, during this quarantine, it was either grow the hair out or grow the beer out. And I'm not going to shave my head like, you know, early 2000s Britney Spears. So I was like, <laughs> might as well start growing out both and then see if I can shave. And now both are just out of control. Um, we're looking kind of like our friend Ted over here, which I love the beard. I didn't think I can rock it, but I mean, it's getting long, but you're going to have to shave it soon because the weather's getting a little too warm. I was going to say the, the hat is, uh, the hat can only take you so far, right? Because then you show up on a zoom call like this and it's just like, I don't know. I, I you make a great point. Cause it's when you said last week, uh, when we were just catching up off the podcast, it was you have to keep one or the other, the hair or the beard. And I, I didn't really understand it as someone who can't grow as a voluminous beard as you can. Um, but, but I get it. I, I'm starting to understand what you're talking about. Yeah, it's at the point where like food gets stuck in the mustache. <laughs> with it. It's too much, so it's got to go. But well, we will, uh, we'll be following the progress of your beard for sure as these weeks go on. Um, We've got two great guests, as I mentioned, uh, John Duke Logan, who is a class of 2016 Bryant alum. His resume speaks for itself. Um, America's Got Talent, the New England Patriots team magician. Who would have thought? That sounds like such a made-up title, but it is true. A keynote speaker, leadership consultant, among many other things. He's a good friend of ours uh, and always happy to catch up with JDL. Um, and then you're going to want to stick around for Positivity Corner as well. Uh, we've got Real Target Tory. And if that sounds familiar, it probably is if you're on Twitter. Uh, she's got an awesome story. Another Bryant graduate. She's over, um, I believe, in the Massachusetts area, um, close to us in Rhode Island. So uh, really two kick-ass guests that uh, we are very excited to uh, present you interviews from. But Having said that, we'll rip our segments pretty quickly. So we'll, we'll cover a, a few different things. We're, we're going to try to keep this nice and quick. Uh, without further ado, let's hop right into beers. Uh, Will, why don't you lead us in a cheers? Yes, yeah, so we're going to cheers to our local Rhode Island favorites. Uh, Rhode Island is beginning to open up. I'm seeing everywhere that restaurants have outdoor seatings and things are starting to become back to normal. I mean, I even looked at the numbers with Rhode Island. It was like 112,000 people were tested. 100,000 were negative. 12,000 were positive. But there were 500 fatalities. Again, that is sad, but it's only 500. You know, the number is pretty minuscule, especially how hard hit Connecticut and Massachusetts were hit. So, you know, cheers to Rhode Island and opening up. So I'm going to start with Good beer from Foolproof, um, the Grotto. It's a 6.5 IPA. Haven't been to Foolproof in a while. Found this one in the fridge and kind of was just thinking about the different beers from Foolproof, but they've always been consistent. I like it. Again, it's a smooth beer. It's got an interesting taste. You know, 
nothing to write home about, but I definitely drink it again. So I got, I'm giving it a 3.75. Nice shout out to Zach Ellis. I think the last time that any of us went to foolproof, it was the three of us among with a few other um, breweries in Rhode Island, which is great. Uh, big fan of their work. Grotto is a classic. You'd find at pretty much any liquor store in Rhode Island. Um, as for me, I actually just looked as we're speaking right now on Long Live Beer Works' website. If you have listened to any of our episodes before that you, uh, you know that we love Long Live, um, they just sold out of this beer and I picked it up yesterday. So good to see that they're making moves and pushing beer out. Um, I picked up a DDH for those of you that don't know what DDH means because you're not as experts in craft beer as Will and I are over here. I say that sarcastically, of course. Um, DDH is dr double dry hop. That's a pretty big um, indicator of a New England style IPA. Very hazy, very hoppy. It's called bandwagon-esque. It's got a fire can uh, label, bright pink and yellow. Um, I tried it yesterday for the first time, drank it again today. I love it. Um, very hoppy. I, I love the New England flavor. So give me a four on that. Um, cheers to Rhode Island breweries coming back stronger than ever because uh, I think that's what we need by the way May 18th that is today at the time that this uh, podcast is releasing Monday May 18th as of the time that this comes out on Spotify Rhode Island restaurants are going to be open and probably a lot of breweries are going to be doing some outdoor seating so get your ass out of your chair or your couch and Get over there. Get over there and get some beer and food. That's all I have to say before we hop into business here. Yeah, I mean, it's coming to the point where I think this is becoming more political than safety. At You know, when this all started in March, it was we have to stay inside to flatten the curve, flatten the curve. Once we flatten the curve and the hospitals can keep the capacity, we can open up. And now, you know, we're heading into June and now all of a sudden it's, oh, we need to stay inside and close the economy until there's a vaccine. Which <laughs> I'm not, uh, I digress. We're not, and we're not health officials, so I mean, we can't confidently say we know what we're doing. But I, I there's a lot of suspect information going around. It was um, just leading false hope to all these people. Right and now, you know, people are going crazy. So if you can get outside, like we've said in the past, support those local breweries and support those local businesses. But before we head into business. Uh, just like Jake mentioned last week, we want, kind of want to bring up more seltzers into the mix just because that's what the trend is. So as we record on a Sunday, I have another seltzer Sunday, and it is High Noon Sun Sips. Yes. And Barstool's been posting a lot about it. I haven't, you know, seen a lot except on social media, just like, but in my inner circle, I haven't seen it. So I actually found a place that had them, and I got the pineapple and the watermelon. I mean, that's the best seltzer I've had. It is, it's, well, it's, it's made with vodka and real fruit. Um, it's clear, not color, which is fine, but it is just a crisp, smooth drink. You know, you can actually taste the booze, but not, you know, lose this, the, the flavor of like true pineapple or true watermelon. I'm giving it a four or five. I played some <laughs> golf today and, you know, sipped a couple and I was enjoying it. It's a, it's a great seltzer. So if you get a chance, check out High Noon Sips. Here's my thing about High Noon. I tried it a couple of days ago and my, my mom actually had it before I did, you know, months ago. I took a sip of it and I 
swear to God, I could not distinguish a regular non-alcoholic seltzer and a high noon. I couldn't yeah. do it. Like this does not, I, I will take it to my grave that Truly and White Claw both taste like they have alcohol. High noon does not. And high noon has fucking vodka in it. Isn't that crazy? When I was saying like you can taste the vodka, like not like you can't taste the booze, but you can tell that it's not made with like just like malt liquor. You can yeah. tell like, you can tell that it's like a smooth like alcoholic drink and not something with malt liquor. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree, and that's we're truly in White Claw. They both have the malt liquor in there, yeah. which is what makes it a little, I think, a little bit more sugary. I don't really know, um, but it it has that like beer texture to it, I guess. I I don't even I, I don't know I'm not educated on seltzers enough. Yeah. That shit is so good. It is so good, and I I hate to say that, you know I, I am I'm all in on the high noon train. I really am. I'm gonna get this is all I'm gonna drink now. I mean yeah, it was a little it was twelve ninety nine for a four pack. So unless they start coming out with six or twelves, it'll be worth it. But I definitely enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. That's for sure. We're, we're going to try some more seltzers. I, I've got some. Shout out to the people in Connecticut that are recommending Bon and Viv. I'll have to take a look there. Um, but we'll review some Truly. We'll review all that stuff. Um, let's hop in rapid fire real quick. We'll go um, business and then balls. We, we don't really have too much, to be honest with you. Just highlighting some of the stuff that we talked about last week. Our boy Elon Musk throws a big fit on Twitter and says, I am going to open the Tesla plant, regardless of what the California government says. I am, I'm done, you know. And, and then he just comes out and goes, if anyone gets arrested, I ask that it only be me. And somehow, some way, it goes from, there's no way Elon Musk is going to reopen it, to the California government letting him open up. This is crazy. This is the times we live in Elon Musk and the Tesla factory in Alameda, California are open for business. Will Tondo, thoughts? I mean, you knew it was going to happen. You knew that he is such a powerful man, you know, an innovative business leader. It's definitely not one of the biggest companies in California, but it's probably up there. I, I mean... Yeah, probably. And, and you no. think about it, the employers too, or the yeah. uh, the employees I'm talking about, the people that are on the line, I, I'd say that's pretty on par with some of the biggest companies up there. Yeah. And you knew like, he's one of those figures that once he's on social media, you know, his thoughts run wild. And I mean, I knew they were going to open. It was, it was a matter of when, not if. So I have nothing much to say. I mean, now he's thrown out there that Portnoy should run for president, which I thought was <laughs> he's, he's uh, an interesting character. I mean, you know, just a very, very smart guy, kind of over my head. And I got nothing much else to say. I mean, they're open. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're open. I think we all knew something like that would happen because realistically, Gavin Newsom's not going to march his ass down there and arrest him himself or send the sheriff. Like, he... If they lose Tesla, they're so fucked. They don't want to admit it. And Gavin Newsom, good governor, they can't afford to lose Tesla right now. That's my two cents. Take it for what it is. Again, I'm not California's CFO, but it's tough to think that they're just going to hold the door open for them. Especially with a guy like Elon Musk. You don't say, get the fuck out of my state, unless you want to become hated on social media, which is funny. Yeah, and heading on to another piece of news, uh, we talked about J. Crew in a recent episode. 
Um, they filed for bankruptcy, but now JCPenney follows as well. I saw a meme on Twitter today and it was like, you know, once one, it was one season without a school dance and JCPenney folded. <laughs> and <laughs> I thought that was funny, but yeah, they were, they were another big name too. So we're curious to see who else comes out of this mess, either surviving or bankrupt. So we'll just have to keep it, keep looking at the news for that one. Yeah, the weird thing there, and I think it was a similar story with J. Crew. I think on a little bit more uh, fast track to hell with JCPenney. Um, they were just absolutely weighed down by a lot of different things. I mean, debt was one of them. Uh, they got murdered by this whole pandemic because no one's going to shop online at JCPenney. Like, if you shop, if you're shopping for clothes and you go on, the, your first place you go is jcpenny.com, shame on you. Turn this fucking podcast <laughs> off. Like, that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> so that just backs up. Um, th- there's going to be a lot more companies that are like this. You know, those big brick and mortar stores that were in bad financial place to start with, they're going to be screwed. So maybe they'll have a quick turnaround. I think their, their margins were pretty high on a lot of stuff because everything was so cheap to make that they were getting. They were outsourcing most of it. So hopefully they bounce back a little bit. Uh, I doubt it will be at the same size that most of the JCPenney stores were because retail is at a macro level going to undergo a lot of transformation. So uh, I think we should keep our eyes out for uh, for a few more of these businesses that that come to light in the future. No, agreed. So we're going to head into the stock market real quick before we head into balls. And before we talk about the stock of the week, I just want to bring up one, uh, Grubhub. I mean, what a whirlwind last week was for Grubhub. It was trading around the $45 mark for most most of the week. And then I believe it was either Tuesday or Wednesday that Uber came out of left field and said that they wanted to acquire Grubhub. That shipped that stock so far up. It went up to like $60, $65. I bought Grubhub at its all-time low at $29.35. I flipped it at $63. (laughs) So I made a nice little pretty penny from that. I was just, you know, some people are, I was asking around to some people who are familiar and they were saying it was kind of just a mixed bag. It's like, you can wait in to see what Uber wants to do. You can make your profit. It ended up falling back down to 55. And then there was also talks that if Uber does acquire it, that you can get like two and a half shares of Uber for one of Grubhub. So there was just a lot of question marks and I didn't want to be in the long haul anymore. You know, I got, that was one of the stocks that I just got very lucky with, you know, when the coronavirus pandemic hit. So I just kind of wanted to take my money and reinvest in other stocks. Right. That, that's huge. You got yeah. in on that. And a lot of people did, which is, which is, I think, what contributed to it selling so high, which is nice. Um, I mean, I had 10 shares at 29.35 and then sold all 10 for 62. It's crazy that just the intent to acquire drives that up so much. Right. Drove it up. And it, it's nuts. We just talked a couple of weeks ago about Uber laying off uh, close to 15% of their workforce. And then they just come out and say that and everything almost instantly recovers. Well, it's they would nuts. Take, yeah, they would take over the entire market. Not the entire market, but the majority of fast food delivery. Yeah. The food delivery. Yep. You know, Uber Eats and Grubhub are the biggest two that you think of. Then you have, you know, your DoorDashes and 
whatever other delivery services, but those are the two big ones. So if they combine forces, game over. No, I, I agree. Um, it's, that's going to be interesting to follow over the coming weeks um, with, you know, Hey, what exactly is this acquisition going to look like? Where does it fit in with Uber Eats? There's a lot of unknown. And I think that you're going to see that Grubhub stock really climb back to how, you know, how low it actually was um, when the details start to get ironed out. But regardless, that's one that we'll keep our eyes on. Um, stock of the week, we will go into cannabis. We haven't talked a lot about marijuana, um, which I know some of you are, are craving us to dive into some cannabis stocks. Let's talk about Aurora Cannabis real quick. They traded ACB um, 69% on Friday uh, positive. That was their biggest single day percentage gain in their history. Um, they just did, this is actually pretty important too, 12 to one share consolidation because they were getting some kickback from the stock exchange that they were going to have to delist if their price went under a dollar, blah, blah, blah. So they did this um, consolidation a few months ago. Um, they missed earnings in Q1, but they had some pretty good uh, demand signs over the past few weeks. A lot more people are going out to the stores. Uh, Aurora is a Canadian company, as are many that list uh, on the NYSE. Um, they uh, basically are seeing a lot more heightened demand, which is good. So uh, expect some cannabis stocks, especially those that deal pretty heavily in the medical industry to come back. Uh, this is one that you're going to want to keep your eyes on. I think uh, this is going to recover really nicely over the next coming weeks. And I'll definitely have to do some more research on this, but just looking at the quick overscale of the stock and the company, in October of 2018, they were trading at $126. A year ago today, they were trading at, you know, $75. Right. So to see them now at only at 1080 could definitely be a nice a nice pickup to your portfolio. So I'll yeah, look at that. they did. And that's normally like, Hey, why the hell is this declining? But um, the, the landscape of the market in Canada is really interesting. We'll have to take, I, I think down the road, we should take an episode and just strictly dive into these, uh, this cannabis world. But um, the Canadian cannabis market, to my knowledge, was plagued by regulations and mergers and acquisitions and things like that. Uh, our friend, Alan Gertner, who we recruited to, um, speak at one of the Bryant CEO conferences. Um, he's right in that game. Um, he had founded his own business, got acquired, I think three or four times with the companies that he was with. He'd be a great guest to have on. That's a side note for us. But um, there's a lot of change going on in the uh, Canadian cannabis industry, which has since, um, you know, climbed down a little bit. Um, there's a little bit more stability. Uh, there's a bit more investor confidence in that area. So. Uh, that is definitely something we're going to have to dive into. I think uh, that's a stock at the very least worth keeping your eyes on. The investors overwhelmingly say hold right now, but it could be worth it to pick some up. Uh, those are all good points. So let us know anything else that you want us to talk about for the stock market and business news. You know, we'll fill up a little bit more in next week's episode, but heading into the ball segment, uh, to start off, NASCAR happened today on Sunday. There was no fans, but it was nice to see some live sports out. I mean, that's as social distance as you get. Even the pit crew was measuring, you know, their distance between each other before changing tires and everything. So it was very nice to see that. And then also golf took place as well. All good stuff. You saw it's nice to see Ricky Fowler taking his approach shot in shorts. That's the 
high key the one shot that I saw of golf today. I'm like, oh, cool, golf's all on. The, yeah, but all the old head golf uh, fans were just like shorts. That's disrespectful and <laughs> not. It's like at this point, just like Hub said a few weeks ago, whatever we get, we're taking. Yeah, and he even said that in just the baseball area. But now I think his his message stands everywhere. If, they, like, if the golf players are wearing shorts, I really don't give a shit. Yep. I mean, if you're really that, you know, talking about like the integrity of the game and we're fighting over shorts and pants with golf, like just don't watch it. Right. And that that's, it's, I, I think we should wrap up, you know, kind of our segment with this. It's, it, it is very comforting to see. I, I even think comforting is the wrong word. It is good to see that sports are moving, they're happening again. You know, there was UFC on again this weekend. I think it was an undercard match of some sort. Um, but NASCAR, golf, um, there's more takes on baseball opening up now. Bryce Harper had his own thing the other day. Highly recommend checking it out. Um, but it, it's good to see more people speaking out and say, hey, here's what this can look like if we have it back. So <laughs> I would hope by the end of June, there's some realization of, you know, we're, we're going to get sports back this year in some way, shape or form. They already are back for the, you know, the non-contact sports. Um, it, these are all good signs is basically what I'm trying to say. And I think uh, hopefully that void is filled soon. I wish I knew, but I, I'm, I'm dying for some sports, man. I need this back. I just tweeted today. It was like what I would give to be half asleep on my couch right now, you know, after just a big Sunday dinner of spaghetti and meatballs, just passed out on my couch watching AJ Burnett blow a, a lead in like the sixth inning or put up a seven spot early in the game and just be like, damn, those Yankees, I fucking hate these guys. Like, I would love that. I would, I would give the world to have that back and we don't have it. So it sucks, but we're going to get them back. And we're going to get them what back. I'm trying to say. Hopefully. So, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's hopefully sooner than later. Um, let's transition now uh, into some good stuff because that's pretty much all we have, Will. Um, we've got two great interviews, as we mentioned. Um, we will first go into our friend John Duke Logan. Um, like we said, great resume, speaks for itself. Uh, we'll be talking some business. We'll be talking about his rise to fame and we'll be talking about some takes that he has about the business world in general. So without further ado, here is John Logan. All right. We have John Duke Logan, Bryant University alumni, and pretty much the jack of all trades. The man has done it all. We have Patriots magician, America's Got Talent performer, author, um, TED Talk speaker. He is a pretty impressive resume. So we have John Duke Logan on the line. How you doing, John? You're making me blush. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh wow. Thank thank you for that intro. I'm Is, I'm doing well. How you doing? You know, we're living. We're again staying healthy. We're in quarantine. We're just trying to make the best of it. Good, good. I, lo I love the podcast you guys are starting. It's great. We appreciate, appreciate that. Well, Is uh, I must know, is that the nicest introduction that's ever been given for you? Yeah, it's definitely up there. It might, that might be it. I think we should just call the interview off right now and just leave it like that on a good note. Uh, 
So for those of you who don't know, uh, we've known John for a few years. He went to Bryant with us. He graduated our freshman year, 2016, correct? Yeah. Yeah, good memory, yeah. So I worked with him while we were on the Archway newspaper and just through a bunch of different facets. But the real reason we have John is just because he's done so many incredible business endeavors. So we wanted to hear his story. And the first of all is... He is a magician. He has been a magician for years and love it. So my first question is, you know, how did you fall in love with magic and master it really? Because some of the tricks I've seen you do over the few years, you know, in person, on video, it blows my mind every single time. Oh, I thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I loved, I was 12 years old and I was really bored at my aunt's birthday party. So I went to the other room and started kind of making a magic tricks just to entertain myself. And, uh, one thing led to another. I just started kind of tinkering with a few little things. And that night I went back and I uh, filmed myself performing the videos and put them on uh, online. And then a few days later, a talent agency found the videos and had no idea how I was pulling them off. So uh, my face was in the video, so they didn't know I was, I was that young at the, at the time. So they reached out to me and said, hey, you know, do you want to be a, a creative consultant? I said, well, you know, well, well, what's a creative consultant? And they said, well, we'll pay you to develop magic tricks for David Blaine and David Copperfield and Penn and Teller and all these other famous magicians. So I was like, uh, yeah, hold on. Let me just finish up my homework and ask my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I kind of took off from there. I was very lucky um, to be surrounded at a very young age with people who were in the industry and knew what they were doing. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that magic isn't just about performing tricks it's really a lot about psychology and creativity and brainstorming and and how to put a, a script together and how to market yourself so there's a, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that i never knew about that magicians have to do to be successful um so it was so that was kind of the the big moment where everything kind of took off for me um and then ever since then i've, I've just been love i love doing it ever since you know and you know, over the years, I was on uh, America's Got Talent. You know, you said, well, um, you know, I wrote, I wrote up three books on magic and psychology and kind of creativity as well. Um, but I think over the years, I've started kind of what I touched upon a little bit in the beginning. I realized that magic, again, isn't about the tricks. It's really about connecting with people and that innovation process, that creativity process. How does someone have something a vision in their head and make that vision a reality and make that idea come to life um so i was really really intrigued by this the more i performed it so i did a lot of research on on this type of process um kind of the creativity process and the teamwork and decision making and stuff like that and now what i do now is i only not only do i perform magic but i also do a lot of leadership keynotes so if you ever go to a leadership conference um I'm, I'm one of the speakers. I'll do a lot of keynotes. I do a lot of uh, interactive workshops about how to look at challenges from a different perspective, maybe from an angle that you never really looked at it before, but integrate magic as well. So people learn in a fun way. I, it's a little corny, but I call it edutainment, you know, education through entertainment. Um, so it's really fun. That's what I do now. So I do, so I do magic. I still perform magic, but I also do a lot of uh, leadership uh, conferences and talks and help corporate teams work together uh, a little, maybe a little bit differently than they've had in the past. And maybe they can kind of achieve that big goal that they've always wanted to achieve just by looking at it from a different perspective. 
we're, we're definitely going to get into the weeds on all the experiences you had um, between America's Got Talent, between, um, you know, the TED Talk, all that good stuff. We'll, we'll talk about that at, the, at a point in this interview here. But what our viewers and listeners are really going to love is your story on how you ended up at an NFL team in an unlikely role. Tell us about it. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I was actually right out of college and I was applying to draw this, you know, just as anyone would. And uh, I saw a digital content associate position for the Patriots. So I applied. Uh, no, so, so not only do I do magic, but I do a lot of marketing and uh, advertisement and stuff like that. So I applied uh, for that job. And after a few rounds of interviews, you know, they asked me and they said, hey, you know, we want to offer you the position, which I thought was great. And they said, well, and we also saw that you're a magician too. So yeah, I've been doing magic for a long time. They said, well, do you want to have your own show with the players where you would come in every week and do a new trick to the players and we use that content to blast on social media and TV and stuff like that? So I said, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so it was cool. So that kind of took off. So I had my own show with the players and um, it was really cool because I got to know the players on really, uh, you know, kind of a one-on-one -on -one basis. And my idea for the show, uh, well, it wasn't my idea, it was actually their idea for the whole show, but my my goal was to perform tricks where the viewers would not only be entertained by the magic, but they would actually learn about the player as well through the magic. So for instance, you know, uh, when Chris Long was on the team, he had a nonprofit uh, called water boys where he would go around the world, delivering fresh water to people, uh, you know, to, um, to different countries. So I did a whole theme around that kind of going on an adventure and promoting his nonprofit, uh, Patrick Chung, uh, he's actually originally from Jamaica, and people don't really know that. So I kind of integrated uh, a Jamaican-themed song and song list within that as well. So it was really fun developing these ideas uh, for, for the viewers. And it was, it was really hard, actually, in a few different ways. Actually, it wasn't as easy as people thought it was because, because one, I wanted to script ideas out that was, a, that was about the player, right? I didn't want to make it about me. I wanted to be about the player. Two, I wanted to perform tricks that people have never seen before. So you couldn't easily just Google how I did it. So I would probably say 95% of the tricks that you saw uh, that was blasted on, you know, during the episodes, I never performed before in front of a live audience. They were brand new tricks. Hmm. So it was really interesting because I would develop this routine and I could, it could be the worst trick in the world. And I had no idea, right? My first time performing a live to, was, that, was to that person. Um, so it was really interesting, you know, that, that type of philosophy. And then also, I need to develop tricks that people couldn't just rewind and figure it out, which is actually really hard to do uh, in the magic, you know, and just go, oh, that's what he did there. So taking all that into, into, you know, into consideration, it was really tough, actually, to develop these new tricks. And sometimes... I didn't even get, I didn't even know who the guest was until like the night beforehand. So I had to develop all of that within like a few hours at, at some point. So it was really hard. Um, also, I learned, so I learned a lot about myself through those videos. You know, some tricks were better than others. Some, some tricks were, were scripted better than others. Um, you know, going back, I can definitely, you know, I noticed kind of my, my strengths and my weaknesses, you know, through those videos. Um, but it was cool because I, I realized that magic works a lot better when there's more people around. So what I realized over the years is that when you perform magic, let's say to 
10 people compared to one person, it's going to be more enjoyable for those 10 people. Because what most likely was happening is that those people are not reacting to the trick. They're reacting to the person's reaction to the trick. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so, so when I was doing these tricks in front of, you know, these incredibly talented football players, you could, you could instantly see that they didn't really know how to react because all the lights and cameras were on them. They, they kind of had that kind of victim mentality of saying like, should I react to this? Should I not react to this? Like, I don't want to make myself look like a fool, whatever, stuff like that. So it was funny, you know, after, after they would say cut and after the cameras would go off, you, the players would really be like, okay, no, no, seriously, how, how the hell do you just do that, right? And it would be funny. You could, you could see, like, their true reactions come out, like, right after they would cut the camera because they need to have kind of that filter on on camera. Um, so it was, it was, I learned a lot about, about my type of style, uh, the psychology of matching and stuff like that just through that show. Um, so it was really cool. You know, some tricks on that show now, uh, I actually integrate them into my, into my own show now when I go on tour. I know some tricks I go back on like, oh, wow, that, that really didn't go as, I, as planned. You know, let me, let me scrap that idea. But it was actually, you know, um, sometimes a little scary because I, I never knew what the reaction would be because those tricks are brand new. Um, and, and then, yeah, that's kind of, it was funny. So Ryan Hannibal from WEI, uh, wrote an article kind of about me because he was really intrigued by this whole whole idea. So I told my whole story, and then one day I was in the locker room um, and I was performing to, to Legaria Blunt, and Legaria uh, introduced me to Tom, Tom Brady. So that's how I got to perform to Tom. So it was funny. He he liked the routine, and he was like, "Well, I know, keep up the great work." And I was like, "You know what, Tom? You keep up the great work too." <laughs> <laughs> so it was funny. So then. Uh, so a few weeks later, I think one of the reporters saw me perform in the locker room. So, you know, he, they, uh, they asked Tom about me in, in one of his interviews and in one of the press conferences, which is pretty cool um, to, have him, to have him say some cool things about me. But, yeah, kind of that was kind of the, the whole the – the media ended up nicknaming me, you know, the team magician. And I got to, got to meet a lot of cool people. And um, one of the episodes was actually Malcolm Mitchell. When he was on the team, he was one of the wide receivers. And uh, – and one of the, I think the tricks I, the trick I did to him that his card ended up uh, in, in, a, in a chip bag. And he loved it so much that he was like, John, you know, I, I actually um, go around, I do a lot of tours with, with speaking and public speaking and promoting youth literacy and stuff like that. And I wrote a book about a magician. And I think it'd be great if you and I could collaborate and you could come on tour with me and, you know, you can entertain everyone and, you know, do your talks. And then I would come up and give my story as well. So we end up doing it. We clicked. And now, you know, now we go on tour together. So it's been really fun. I got to, you know, go pretty much all around, all around the country. Um, and that kind of led to, to Todd Gurley, who was on the Rams. I think he's on the Falcons now. And that's how him and I got connected. So, you know, one little thing led to another thing, which led to another thing. So I, I, I was really lucky. Sorry, I just kind of rambled on there, but no, <laughs> hey, you, no, you I mean... checked off a lot of the boxes, which is good. You know, we um, and I kind of just in the interest of where this fits in, I, I think this would be a good time to move it up. Um, you mentioned two people that have meant a lot to you in your career, um, in Malcolm Mitchell and Todd Gurley, um, and they're obviously their accomplishments speak for themselves. But is there anyone else that you've met through this entire process that? 
um, has either A, really been a big influence on you or, or B, was just a memorable uh, encounter with somebody? Um, yeah, so I think, you know, I have a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. Um, I have a consultant, his name is Stathi, uh, Stathi Zaft, and he is one of the most creative uh, magicians I have ever met. Not even magician, one of the most creative people I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, he's been a professional magician for, I think he's 40, year, 40 years old now, so pretty much his whole life. So no, he, he's older than me. But, you know, we, we talk on the phone every single day, brainstorming new ideas, how to incorporate different ideas. Um, so he's definitely had a huge inspiration on me. Um, there's another magician uh, named Justin Willman. And you, you, the listeners may recognize that name because he has his own show on Netflix called Magic for Humans. And I would highly recommend it. And Justin, um, you know, has been on the Ellen Show. He's been on the Fallon Show. He's, he's you know, been all, on all those shows. But before he became this super successful famous magician he is now i actually knew him you know 10 15 years ago when he was just doing you know you know events every now and then and i was actually at a birthday party you know when i was really younger and he was a magician there and that's actually one of the reasons how i kind of got interested in magic because i would see these magicians up close and live performing and i kind of stayed in touch with him ever since and it was i just loved his type of style and um his delivery and it's he and I don't know if the if I'm just influenced by him or I just really enjoy this type of style, but him our styles are very similar where we don't really use, you know, bunny in the hat or like, you know, the, the corny stuff. We really focus on maybe pop culture and I, I call it modern day magic, which means ex, uh, performing extraordinary things with ordinary objects, kind of like a minimalistic approach to magic, right? Um, and, you know, kind of, kind of poking fun at yourself, poking fun at pop culture, stuff like that. And so he's been a huge influence as well. Um, I think, uh, you know, in the, the non-magic sphere, uh, I've, I've met a lot of, you know, great people, you know, over the years, a lot of, a lot of uh, famous celebrities I'm just very lucky um, to do. You know, I've, I've met the, the cast of Stranger Things, uh, the TV show Stranger Things. Um, I met them a few times, you know, they've recognized me, you know, they love the magic. Um, you know, I've, you know, Gronk, uh, and the Patriots, you know, perform magic with Gronk. Um, you know, people, the, uh, people from the office, uh, Creed from the office, Kevin, <laughs> uh, they, they were great. Um, uh, not, uh, not Angela. Um, uh, why, why is her name, from, uh, the, the redhead from the office? Why am I forgetting? No, oh, is it Aaron probably? No, not Aaron. The, um, oh, why? The, Pam, the one, like, right. The one that loves the party. The, the girl, oh. the woman that... Oh, Meredith. Meredith. Meredith, yes. yes. I don't know <laughs> yep. why her name was escaping me. Yeah. <laughs> she, was, she was super nice. Um, so it, it's just cool. You know, I'm very lucky where I'm in an industry where I get to meet a lot of um, great people. And, and I, I think what's, what's you know, because of what I do, you get to really learn that everyone is just a person. If, if that makes sense, right? Like, you know, they, they may, like these football players, right? They're, they're just normal people, just like you and I, right? They have families, they have struggles, just like you and I do. The only thing is that they're really good at football, right? And that's the only difference. And then all, all these actors, right? They, they're just everyday normal people, but they're just really good at acting, right? So it's, it's really cool. Magic is a great way to just break a boundary between 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 people and and i've always believed that i think 
I don't perform magic to fool people or trick people. I, I really think that magic is essentially anything in life that you thought was impossible becoming possible. I, I think that's what magic is. And, and to me, I, I, the magic isn't me performing the magic, in my opinion. The magic is bringing people together that wouldn't communicate otherwise to share a common moment, right? And that idea, to me, I think that's where like the real magic is, right? I'm just there sharing the experience with everyone else. And that experience to me is, is the magic because they wouldn't, they wouldn't have communicated probably otherwise, right? And I, I just think that's a really powerful, powerful approach and philosophy. And, and I've always kind of lived by that. So um, kind of going back to, you know, original question, I think a lot of people um, have, have really, you know, inspired me and, and helped me kind of learn who I am, you know, you know, especially my family members, my siblings, my parents. Um, and it, it's cool, you know, just looking back on what, what I've, you know, the, the type of style of magic, you know, 10 years ago compared to now is completely different than what I used to do. Uh, but, it, but the thing is, you always have to keep trying, you know, keep trying mm -hmm. and trying and trying and trying and figure out who your personality is, who, you know, what type of magic you like and stuff like that. You know, the stuff I performed 10 years ago was nothing what I performed now because I, I didn't really know who I was, you know, back then. I, but I just kept trying, 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 trying. Yeah. You know, meeting, meeting people. Yeah. So you touched upon, you know, creativity and like the different people that have inspired you as well as when I knew you back in college, you know, you were a phenomenal writer, very strong writer. And that obviously led you to author a few books as well as coin the term impossible is just a word. So if you kind of wanted to go over those endeavors, I know that would be definitely an interesting story that our listeners would love to hear. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So I'll, I'll go back to that first half of the, the question there. Uh, thank, thank you, I'm glad that you liked my writing. Um, but uh, you, were, you were as well, Will. You were very I good. I appreciate writing. it, thank you. Yeah, we won the, uh, the best organization of the year. Yes, that we was, did. That was, that was my proudest moment at Bryant when we won that. As a Only third party with no vested interest, I will say that it, it was a rightful, uh, it, it was a rightful coronation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that I think that was my proudest moment at Brian when, when we won that. Um, uh, but kind of going back back to that that concept, um, I I think that a lot of people. Um, a lot of people nowadays put their all their eggs in one basket. And what I mean by that is that you have to have multiple tools to your, to your toolkit. So I'm giving all these metaphors right now, but, but I think a lot of people focus on one, uh, focus all their passion on one thing in life. Right. And it could be music. It could be magic. It could be writing, right. It could be there's one thing. And I think that it's great. But I also think people that could actually backfire. So kind of a, maybe some advice that I maybe give some you know entrepreneurs or someone like that is is try to have try to know how to do a lot of different things. Um, because for instance, right now COVID, right now if I just made my income from just magic and appearances, I'd be screwed right now, right? Like because all my appearances got 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 canceled, right? So right now I'm actually, you know, helping people with helping different companies with marketing and video editing, you know, and writing and stuff like that. So kind of my advice to people is try, don't, don't focus so much on one thing because you never know what's going to happen. You may never, you may, you may never, uh, 
it's in case of an emergency, right? Kind of that's actually very similar to Malcolm Mitchell's story. Uh, he focused so much on football that when he actually got injured and he couldn't go back to football, he was really depressed because he really didn't really know what to do with his life uh, anymore, you know, which I don't blame him. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, I've, you know, I've learned over the years, you know, try to try to have different types of passions because you can also merge them together, right? So now I use my passion in marketing and video editing and writing to help promote my match, to help, to help promote my brand, right? So, so learning a lot of different tools can actually really help you because you can merge them together and, and help you in other areas. Um, going back to the, you know, the impossible is just a word concept that you said, well, um, I've, I, I, was, I was in middle school and I, I forget what the paper was on, but it was essentially, I, I wrote a paper about how we can kind of uh, achieve, our, achieve goals in our in lives. In, in our life. And I think I titled the paper impossible is just a word. And it was around that time where I was kind of into magic too. So I, I kind of was like, you know what, I'll, I'll start using this phrase. So I just start putting, putting on business cards. And every time I would give someone a, a business card, they would, the first thing they would say is, wow, impossible is just a word. Oh, that, that's pretty cool. And for some, I'm like, wow, this is actually, this, maybe, maybe I'm onto something here. You know what I mean? And trying of over the years, uh, I realized, you know, that it's, how many words? Impossible is just, uh, what, five, five, five words there, right? Those five words, it's just so simple, but to me, it means so much. Um, it's, it's helped me through the darkest times of my life. It's helped me through the best times of my life. Um, I, I always wear, you know, bracelets uh, that have impossible is the word on them. I give them out. It's one of, the, one of the favorite things that people have. You know, I know people that, I gave them a few years ago. They still haven't taken their bracelet off. And for some reason, people love the phrase um, because I don't, I think it relates to magic, but I also think it kind of relates to life in general um, that pretty much if you just change your perspective on a situation, you can really overcome it. Right. And, and, that, and again, that can be anything that can be an entrepreneur trying to trying to overcome a business challenge that can be someone that's that's depressed trying to come overcome that challenge it can really mean anything right and it relates directly back to magic as well and so i think that that phrase has been with me my you know my entire life and and uh i've had a lot of people recommend that i should trademark it because i've been using it for so long um so the the process i i applied uh last year for it and you know it, it so it took a year it took a whole year process to to do it actually i got approved which is pretty cool. Um, but typically it takes a lot longer than a year, but because I've documented uh, it so much and I've had people support me over the year and buying merchandise, I was very lucky that the process was actually quicker, um, you know, you know, than normal. But uh, yeah, that's kind of my whole phrase. I think I used it at, at Bryant. Um, and it, I, th I think I, it was actually funny. I, I, I won Mr. Bryant uh, <laughs> with that phrase. So I think, I think the, I was down to the bottom three. It was me and two other people. And I think uh, the, the final question was, you know, what is one word uh, that, that represents your Bryant career? And I was like, impossible. And I, and, I, and I said that, you know, a lot of things that I thought were impossible uh, coming into it, I, you know, I achieved a lot of, a lot of things and Brian teaches us how, teaches us how to achieve the impossible and stuff like that. Um, so it was actually great. I really liked that on that one. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I was really lucky, you know, um, but yeah, it's just, you know, I have my hat on right now, you know, so I have, 
I, I, I wear the merchandise everywhere. You know, I have shirts, I have, you know, I have bracelets. And it's just something that for some reason people love the phrase. I think it's, you know, it's five words, five simple words, but they mean so much, you know, and, and I, in, you know, in all aspects of life, you know, you know, no matter where you are in life, you know, it can really, really just it can help you, you know, just by changing your perspective, you can really achieve anything. Yeah, I just um, I was combing through my desk the other day, and I, I found mine right here. Ah, this there you is, go. <laughs> yes. This is I'm so um, happy. Yeah, this is one of my uh, I don't know a, a treasure in here of, among a bunch of uh, bracelets and stuff. And this is one that I didn't throw out because I, I knew we were gonna have this conversation this week. <laughs> and you know, this is something I'm gonna take with me when I go back up to Rhode Island and uh, and stuff like that. So I mean, I, I think you. Um, you, your journey has certainly been quite an interesting one to uh, it's basically that phrase has been with you your whole life. And then to finally have it culminate in a trademark where you own the rights to that phrase. <laughs> I think that's uh, that sums everything up uh, pretty well. Yeah. It's, I, I was very, it was really cool to, to, <clears throat> to hear that, to hear that, that I kind of, I own that phrase now, you know, it's just kind of like you just said, it's my, whole life all summed up in five words and it's like wow it's like that's what it is and it was actually kind of you know backtrack a little bit with Todd Gurley um so when I first met Todd I, I gave him a bracelet I said hey you know Todd you know here's a bracelet whatever you know my, my phrase and he looked at it, he said man I love this I'm like oh thanks and then all of a sudden you know fast forward you know during the football season I see pictures of him on social media during the game wearing my bracelet <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? Like Todd Gurley's wearing my bracelet during the game. Like, I'm like, that is, that's so crazy. So I saw him, uh, the next time I saw him, he was, he was like, dude, I love, do you have any more bracelets? I love these things. I'm like, sure. So I gave him like a whole, I gave him like 10 of them. So he has a, he has a stack of them now, but it was, it's really cool just to see different, you know, people, you know, you know, celebrities enjoying the phrase, you know, all the way. Um, you know, to college students enjoying it, you know, to, to kids enjoying it. It's just a phrase that everyone can kind of relate to. Um, and it was just, it was really cool to, to, to if you actually scroll through um, Todd Gurley's social media, uh, you can actually see, you know, some pictures on his Instagram of him wearing it and stuff. You know, he was actually with Snoop Dogg and he was wearing it. Like, it, it was just really cool. You know, it was just cool to, to, to hear that, you know, something that, I've been using my whole life, you know, is, is, you know, really impacting people, which, you know, which I think is, is really cool. That's incredible. And speaking on other, you know, people that you've encountered. So obviously you're a performer on America's Got Talent. So, yeah, that was, that was a cool, that was a cool experience. Um, so I made it past a, a few rounds on there and it was just a really cool experience. And it was, you know, not only did I go on there to perform, but I also went on there to learn more about, that type of industry, um, kind of that entertainment industry and more like behind the scenes with, you know, with TV shows and stuff like that. And, you know, I learned a lot about that industry and it was, it was cool. It was cool just to perform in front of, in front of everyone, in front of the judges. And, you know, I got to meet a lot of cool people and, um, it was, it was, it was just a really, really great experience. You know, they all, they all said yes. And, you know, I got, I, uh, they got to stay in ovation. So it was, it was cool. It was really cool. Yeah. And going on, you know, just different magical moments you've had. We talked about President Makeley retiring um, on our last episode. And I just remember one time at Bryant, you performed a trick. I believe it was at a halftime at a, one of the sports games. It might have been the basketball game <laughs> where you had different people go around and, like, 
you know, write different colors and stuff. And then it turns out Makeley was wearing that color tie. And <laughs> I, th- I believe it was like a wig that he put on. <laughs> yeah. And that so one what, always stuck to me on like one of like, I was like, wow, this guy is incredible with his tricks. What are one of those tricks that you have that has like time after time people have been amazed by or something that you just are like, wow, I can't believe it. I even did that. Yeah, so, so that's actually a funny story with Makely. So, again, that was one of the tricks. I've never performed that before. That was my first time performing that <laughs> trick in front of everyone. So I was like, oh, crap, hopefully, hopefully I don't mess this up. You really just pulled it out. That's incredible. Literally. But it was – so I'll, I'll explain what the, what the trick was. So, so, I, so I had Makely put on a big blanket so no one could see what he's wearing, and I rolled him – on a, on a chair in the in half court, but no one knew it was him under the blanket. So they just thought it was some something was under this big blanket. <laughs> so then, so then I had a, I had like a cartoon, um, like like a cartoon on a on a drawing pad. Uh, but they had no, they had pants on and they had a tie and they had a shirt, but it, nothing was colored in. So it was a black and white like kind of cartoon. So then I had a bunch of like a stack of um of markers. And I turned around, so I, I was blindfolded. I couldn't see a thing. And I had people come up, and I said, guys, just, everyone just grab a random marker, whatever color you want, whatever you color you want, and go over there and draw whatever you want. So you can, you can, you know, again, you can tie – I'm sorry, you can, you can color in the tie. You can color in, uh, you know, person number two. You can color in the pants if you want. You can color in the shirt, whatever you want to do. Just grab a random colored marker and color, color whatever you want. So I had like five people come up and they just colored. I was blindfolded the whole time. They, they colored whatever they wanted. So then, so then at the end, they, you know, they had like a, like a yellow tie, pink pants on, a blue shirt with green hair. And then all of a sudden I had someone lift up uh, the blanket. And that's exactly what Makely had on was those exact colors with that outfit on. So the thing was that I was expecting the trick to last maybe like three minutes. But it ended up being like a 10-minute trick. And I, it was so bad because I could just sense that people were like, where, where the hell is this guy going with, like, with this thing? Like, what, like people, some people didn't even know who I was. So they were like, what, who is this guy having this coloring things? Like, why is this taking so long? So it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. Uh, I, I think their reaction was worth it because they were like, wait, how, how did he just do that? But it, it was a long-ass trick. Um, but uh, – but kind of going back to the original question, it's funny. So, like, some tricks, um, as a magician, it's very hard to develop new tricks because you know how it's done, right? So you don't – there's, there's two parts of the trick, what the audience sees and then how it's done. But it's hard because some tricks you may develop and you may think it's the best trick in the world. They'll say, this is amazing. This is, they're going to love this. And then if you go and perform it, you can get crickets. Right? Be like, okay, well, you know, okay, was that it? Right? And then on the other side of the spectrum, you could do something and be like, wow, this is a really stupid trick. Whatever, I'll, I'll just do it and, you know, hopefully, you know, they'll, they'll know how I do it. And I've got reactions. They're like, oh, my God. That's like one of your best tricks. Right? So... It's crazy how that works out. So, you know, I have a trick in my act that I thought it was really stupid. So I would actually reveal, I would perform it, and then I'd re- reveal how I did it to show how some tricks are really easy 
but our brain is, is tricked by it, right? Because it's kind of, kind of psychology of it. But then over time, I've had people come up to me and say, that trick's amazing. Oh my God, like, how did you do that? So I'm like, all right, maybe I shouldn't reveal this, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, right? Like, wow, there's actually getting a lot better reaction than I thought. So now I, now I do that trick and I don't reveal it. And people say it's one of the best tricks I have. So it's, it's really hard to, to determine if a trick is good. But the best way to determine that is to perform it more and more and more and more and more. Um, I think a lot of magicians, um, actually people in general, are very, I, I think a lot of people, um, entrepreneurs, p- companies, magicians, musicians, anyone, aren't afraid to take risks. They're afraid of other, seeing other people see them fail right? So they're not afraid if the idea fails. They're afraid of having other people see them fail. And I think that's what so many, I think that's a big problem in businesses right now. So many companies are saying, oh yeah, we, we promote creativity. We promote out of, the, out of the box ideas, but relatively rare do you see that? Because a lot of people are very af- afraid, you know, th- they would do something privately but they want to pay, take a big risk public, publicly. Um, but the, to overcome that, you have to continuously try new things out, right? So as a magician, I could have the best idea in the world, but if I'm afraid to go out there and actually perform it, then it's, it's useless. Yeah, so I think, the, I think the best way to overcome that fear of seeing other people see you fail uh, is just is doing little things. What I mean by that is it's, it's, it's okay to, to take little risks at times, right? Like imagine if no one in the world took risks, you know, what, what would society look like right now, right? So it's, in order to overcome um, something big, start with a little goal, right? If you, if you have a fear of public speaking, then maybe you start off with saying, you know what? Okay, you know, today I'm going to say hi to a stranger, right? And start out little, little by little by little by little to really, to really gain confidence. And that, again, that, just, that, that could just be a public speaking thing or it could be, you know, it could be anything. Um, but but I, I think kind of going back to the original idea is that a lot of companies, a lot of teams always promote, you know, you know we're, we're open to new ideas, we want to hear your ideas. But team, they don't, the, these bosses don't realize that these team members, they, they find that culture pretty fine, but they they personally don't want to pitch something in fear of everyone being like, oh, wow, that was stupid, right? Or in fear of their idea failing, which makes it look like they failed, right? Um, so I, I think, I think it's, that's a really big problem in the world right now. Um, and, you know, it, well, and kind of going back to magic, I, I think that's, I was fearful of that too. I, again, I could have the best idea in the world, but if I could never do it, or if I, had, if I could never go there and perform it, then, you know, what's the use? like a lot of magicians you see a lot of these magicians on social media performing these tricks on social media um and they're incredible with sleight of hand right absolutely amazing with sleight of hand but if you put them in front of a live audience they wouldn't be able to do that um because they, because they don't think about the little things well you don't realize that you know yeah they have to have the person on the left hand side rather than the right hand side you know so it's and that, that's the thing. So I think a lot of people like to hide behind the screen. And I'm not just saying magicians, I just think people in general, um, because they're kind of in fear of other people seeing them fail, you know? John, I, I think you make a great point. And that 
especially about the uh, the whole fear aspect and, and you know pitching an idea when you know uh, that it might affect your reputation. I'm going to plug a book right here. It's called Joy Incorporated um, or Joy Inc. It was actually recommended to me by someone that you spoke with at TED, and that was uh, John Bacuzzi, actually, um, mm-hmm. who spoke about customer experience and things like that. Joy Inc. is about Richard Sheridan, who founded um, a company called Mellow Innovations in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And the whole premise of this book was that people can't succeed when they know they're in an environment that uh, culture's fear. And, you know, culture is um, about uh, just, you know, the, the fear of getting reprimanded or the fear of not getting promoted or something like that. So I think that is so important, especially now to be in a place, whether that's your own company or, um, you know, in life that you can get to that point that you don't have to, uh, to just be fearful of what you're doing all the time. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a great point. And I, I also think that, um, that I think the most successful leaders help other people be successful. And I kind of learned that the hard way, to be honest with you, uh, growing up performing magic, um, you would always, I would always have people saying, oh my God, you know, you're amazing, you're incredible or whatever, all this type of stuff. And it definitely got into my head. I had a huge ego. <laughs> and, uh, you know, looking back on it, I see that I did, um, you know, I've, and over the years I've tried to try to kind of tip it back, backwards. But I think that's why I think the most successful leaders um, make it about other people. Um, I think growing up, I, I thought that, success was making it making people see that you are successful right and i think the most successful leaders don't do that what they do is they don't focus on their successes they focus on other people's successes and they may they have it more of a team atmosphere and say you know I'll, let me help you achieve this and i think that's why people look up to the to the, the to the best leaders in the world is because they want to be part of that team atmosphere they want to be part of that team dynamic of saying, well, wow, you know, we're all going to help each other achieve each other's goals and we're all kind of in this together rather than this, you know, independent mentality, you know. Um, so kind of, I, I always think about it, um, you know, the, the four Ps. I think the, the climate of, the, of a team has been successful if, the, if it's uh, pride, pay, pleasure, problem-solving hero. So, so the first one is pride, you know. It, can, can you have your team members check off three out of these four so pride would be you know you know am i happy by the work i've done you know on the on this team you know pay would be you know do i feel like i'm appropriately paid you know what i should be paying uh pleasure would be you know did did what i was doing bring me personal joy and excitement and then finally four problem solving heroes you know have i been recognized by other people from from my contributions right um, so pride, pay, pleasure, problem solving here. And I, again, I talk about this in my keynote of how to build a, build a collaborative atmosphere. Um, again, a lot of entrepreneurs uh, say their, their team is, uh, is collaborative, say their team is creative. But again, relatively rare do you actually see that uh, happening. And, you know, my advice to people is, is try to build that atmosphere where can you have on a team project, you have um, people check off at least three of the, out of those four things. Yeah. No, those are all definitely great points. And going into the positivity aspect, um, obviously you had a lot of great endeavors that you were a part of. And kind of going back 
to the Patriots and also while you were on tour, is there a favorite memory that just kind of stands out with you that really, that you stuck with the rest of your career going forward or you always look back and like, if you're having a bad day or you're, you're struggling on something, you go back to that like positive memory, whether it was on tour with paths or somewhere else. Um, so I, I probably wouldn't be, um, so I think that the, I just, I love seeing people's faces. Um, I love when I perform magic, I love that transformation of, of people having the crappiest day in the world. And then me performing something and it just brightens our whole day up. And I've had countless, you know, countless emails and, um, you know, text people reaching out to me after my show and saying, you know, that totally made my day. Um, so I, and I, and I love doing that. I don't, again, I don't do it for me. I do it, you know, for others. Um, there, there was a, there was this concept, like I called it the triangle concept. It's the thoughts, feelings, behavior triangle. So essentially now, now this, this, I actually, um, I, I, I try to live by this every single day that how our thoughts influence our feelings, our feelings influence our behavior, behavior influence our thoughts, that triangle, right? So again, if you think to yourself, you know, your thoughts, you know, I can't do this, right? You're going to feel aggravated and you're going to be give up, right? Your behavior is going to, you're going to give up, right? So your, so your thought is, I can't, I can't do this. Your feeling is, I, I feel aggravated. Your behavior is, I give up, right? But if you change one thing, let's say you think differently, let's say you have a mindset of, of, okay, I might be able to do this, then you're feeling, you're going to feel more optimistic and say, okay, I have hope there was another solution to this. And then your behavior is going to correlate to that and say, okay, I'm actually open to exploring new, new perspectives, right? And then it goes back to it. So it's the thoughts, feelings, behavior triangle that realize that they all correlate back to one another. So if you change your thoughts, you're going to also, you're also going to change your feelings and behavior. You change your behavior, you're going to influence your thoughts and feelings. You change your family, you're going to influence your thoughts, right? So they, they all relate back to each other. And I think it's a very um, interesting philosophy and interesting concept that when you do feel aggravated, you do feel down, literally changing one thing can really impact everything else. That's a great message there. Um, I think that's a, so relatable too, honestly. It, it's yeah. very, uh, it's a nice positive and very good message to have. Um, to transition now towards kind of looking forward. Well, before we even do that, uh, we're curious to know, how does a magician fill his time during quarantine? Um, I know you mentioned already, you're, you're keeping busy, which is, which is great. You seem to be doing a lot of consulting and marketing work and video editing, which is great. Um, but, and off air, we were talking and it sounds like you've got your hands full with your younger siblings too, which is good, but i um, curious to see what you've been filling these past couple of months with. Have you hopped in on the yeah. TikTok train too? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. I know. I need to get on that. I know a lot of people are on TikTok and uh, I feel like if I sign up for it, I just will be stuck to my phone all day watching all the <laughs> videos. Um, so so I, th I think um, what I've been doing a lot is uh, a lot of people, a lot of magicians have been taking their shows and going virtual with them. So, it, so in other words, um, you know, you, you would pay tickets and everyone would have a webcam and I would perform tricks to, to, to different webcams, right? Now, there's nothing wrong with that at all. You know, it's just, it, it's fine. It's just my, my personal show, it doesn't really fit with that type of vibe. Um, so it was, it's hard for me if I did do that, if I did have some sort of virtual magic show, 
Um, I could definitely do it. It just wouldn't, I feel like it just wouldn't be the same because when I perform, I think my strong suit and what people tell me my strong suit is, is kind of going into the audience and interacting with them and kind of being, you know, very, really energetic and stuff like that. And so it just wouldn't really fit my vibe. So I was thinking about doing that with a lot of magicians are transforming, going to that vibe. I have, I don't know if I'm going to do that yet. Um, I would have to really revet my show, but what I have been doing is a lot of more like kind of business administration things for my brand. Uh, again, a lot of people think that magicians are only focused on performing tricks, right. And performing shows. Right. But there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that people don't recognize, you know, um, you know, blog posts, uh, videos, you know, from past events, advertising, um, newsletters, right. The expenses, right. And going through, through all your expenses and trying to figure out, you know, um, what receipt, what receipts go with this. So that's what I've been doing lately. I've been doing a lot of behind the scenes work to really organize it a little bit, uh, a little bit better and, and do more of, um, you know, branding stuff, if that, if that makes sense. Um, so I've been kind of, I wouldn't say taking a break from it, but I've been kind of, I'm not taking a break from performing, but kind of doing more of the behind the scenes work um, to build a brand uh, compared to just performing tricks. And, you know, I have been learning new tricks. I have been learning um, new, new concepts and stuff like that, uh, that, that I will integrate into my shows. Um, but, you know, when, when, I, when actually I can perform, but I'm really focused more behind the scenes now that I think a lot of people kind of forget about that, you know, a magician, you know, he, he is the business, you know, I, I am my own business. I am my own brand. Um, you know, so yeah. You definitely are utilizing that Brian degree, you know, with uh, accounts payable and the organization and everything. Right. I know it's crazy. It's like, it's, yeah, it's, that's the thing. And I, and I, and I love Brian. I, I was a big fan of the idea program, a lot of the, the design thinking things because a lot of magicians or myself included, we, we use design, we've been using design thinking for hundreds of years with magic, right? This whole trial and error, uh, you know, what if we change this? What if we change that? You know, one of my favorite things, I didn't learn it in the idea program, but I did learn it. Uh, oh, for the, for the listeners who aren't, who don't know what the idea program is, the, the program at Brian, where it's all about design thinking. Um, it's a big curriculum at Brian, big program that they have. Um, but one of my favorite things that I, that I present during my keynote, um, I didn't learn this at Brian, but I, I learned it through my research that, that people love to do, that, that I love to, love to present, is doing a change one word concept. So for instance, as a magician, I could have a trick where I have someone, I actually have to do this in my show, I have someone take out a card, they sign the card, they put the card back in the deck, I take the deck, I throw the, the cards uh, at a cup on stage, and their card lands inside the cup. So if we condense that, it's card to cup, right? Card to cup. Well, if we change one word rather than card to cup, why don't we do card to wall? So what if I took the cards throughout the wall and your card got stuck to the wall? Okay, it's a good trick. Well, rather than card to wall, why don't we do card in wall? So I take the card that's throughout the wall, their card gets stuck inside the wall. Huh, okay. Rather than card in wall, what about phone in wall? So what if I took your phone and it disappeared and it ended up inside the wall, right? So look how we went to uh, card to cop to phone and wall, Com two completely different tricks. But by doing that changing one word process, we, got, we could develop a brand new, brand new idea. 
So that's, that's a cool concept that I, that I like to share uh, during my keynote. You know, then I'll do a trick correspond to that concept um, that, that I think entrepreneurs could definitely benefit as well. And kind of looking around, you know, for instance, you know, if you look at Instagram's business model, it's unlimited photo time, right? You post a picture on Instagram, it can, it can be up there as long as you want. Well, guess what? Snapchat came along and they said, well, rather than unlimited photo time, let's just do limited photo time, right? So unlimited photo time is Instagram. Limited photo time is Snapchat, right? It, it, it's so funny. It's a, they, just took, they just took one more and just, just, chopped it, just chopped it off, right? So it, it's really cool. I, I, I love those types of things. So I've been doing a lot of more research. Um, kind of going back to your original question, what I've been doing, I did a lot of more research on that type of um, creativities and that mindset and decision-making and, and stuff like that so I can, I can help people you know, um, you know, achieve their business goals or personal goals and, and things like that. Yeah. everything I mean everything you've said so far has just been incredible I always love catching up with you because you're just I mean I hope the listeners you know hop on and just like you know whether they spark more creative creativity or just have a brighter day because I mean you made my night a lot better just from hearing your stories and everything so thank you for that and just to <laughs> kind of <laughs> just to kind of close out um you you gave a lot of great advice to our listeners and a lot of great stories but if there's anything else you want to say to the people listening as well as any of your promotional plugs uh, now's the time. Yeah. Uh, feel free to check out my website. It's uh, johndukelogan.com uh, or impossible is just a word.com. It just, it goes to the same site. Um, and then you can follow me on uh, social media, John Duke Logan, J O H N D U K E L O G A N. Uh, I like to use my middle name um, because John Logan, I feel is a very common name. If you Google John Logan is actually a very famous uh, director in Hollywood named John Logan. And if you typed in John Logan magic, he actually filmed a movie about magic. So, <laughs> that's not, that's not good for the brand. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, ah, damn it. So yeah. So it was that, it's funny. Uh, you guys call me JDL and that actually originated from Bryant. So, so, uh, so people, so people call me JDL because that's my initials, but and so that I use Duke just as a way to, to, to stand out a little bit. Um, so people can remember me a little bit more compared to this, the regular John Logan, which is a very common name. Um, but yeah, people, it was my freshman year and people learned my middle name was Duke. So they started calling me JDL and it just stuck. So that's, <laughs> so, so it's so funny now everyone, I'm like, Oh, it's like, it's kind of cool. So everyone calls me JDL now. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's just yeah. your JDL to us. That's what you yeah. are. It's, um, that's what it's, it is. It's, <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, feel free to check out my website. Uh, feel free to connect with me on, uh, on social media. Um, I know this time, this type of, this time of year is very, uh, unique and I, and I and I know a lot of people who may be struggling right now um, with a lot of different variables in their lives so I definitely want to help in any help out in any way I can um, you know so, so I definitely want to connect learn about different projects you guys are doing um, how I can help in any way I can just because I, I know this this time of year is just very uh, very interesting and very unexpected so uh, you know I'm, I'm here to help in any way I can well, awesome. Thank you so much, John. Really appreciate you coming on. And we'll definitely have to have you on again in the near future to talk about just different business and sports takes too. So appreciate your time. Thank you. Of course. Yeah, you guys, you guys keep, up, keep up the great work. You guys are doing great. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, JDL. Take care, man. Be yeah. safe and uh, best of luck to you. You too. Take care, guys. Take Thanks. it easy. And that was just John Duke Logan. Check him out on his social media. I mean, that was a great interview, great story too. Friend of the program, so we're really excited to have him on. 
Yeah, and he's then, a baller guy. Um, I, I do want to say just before, I mean, I literally, while we're recording this interview, I had the, I was just cleaning out some shit in my desk and I found his impossible is just a word bracelet that he now trademarks, obviously. So that that's pretty dope. Um, the, the man's a baller. He's a baller. Yeah. So uh, JDL is a, I'm a big fan of his and hopefully we have him on when uh, over the next couple months. And again, before we transition off, I mean, it was the same thing when I was cleaning out my room at home to move into our apartment, I was just like digging through some stuff and I found his book that he gave and signed me. So I have that on my bookshelf in the apartment and it'll definitely be worth some money someday. So it's always nice catching up with him. And now heading into our second interview with another Brian alumni, a great way to cap off the episode filled with a lot of positivity and just overall good story. Here is Targetory. So now we have Tori Parati, Bryant University alumni and executive team lead for Target in Massachusetts. Tori, welcome to the show. We're happy to have you for our Positivity Corner. Thanks, you guys, for having me. I really appreciate it. So for those of you who don't know, Tori was a Target intern, graduated from Bryant, then went on to Target to be an executive team lead in what part of Massachusetts? Um, I was working in Swansea. Swansea. And living everyday life, you know, first job, going through the motions, you know, working hard, and an incident happened, and it kind of blew up, and that's where Target Tory was created. So, Tori, if you go on to explain the story on how Target Tory started. <laughs> how yeah. it was, I guess, to the yeah. creation of it all. What, what makes you Target Tory? So it sounds a little bit ridiculous when it all kind of originated with a toothbrush, but long story short, um, you know, it was a guest that was upset. I got called up and as a manager, you always mentally prepare yourself when you're on your way to, to answer one of these calls when people call for you over the walkie to, to help for a guest. So I was walking over there and I noticed that a few people had gathered around and they were trying to calm down the situation. I always try to get into a situation with a very relaxed and pleasant tone because these people are already on the defense. So you don't want to give them any reason to escalate more. I asked the guest, you know, what's going on? What's the situation? Can you explain it to me? And he explained that there was a price tag for what's an $80 electric toothbrush for only a penny. So instantly I'm thinking to myself, okay, he had to have printed up this price label. There are people that do this fraud stuff all the time. They're printing up price labels and sticking them on things. So I just assumed that, but then he showed me an actual picture that he had taken because he clearly came prepared to this conversation and the price label said display on it. So these are actually price labels. I price labels in quotes kind of, um, but they're labels that we stick next to the display model itself. So that way we can scan it and know more and give more information to the guest um, on the spot. So the, the toothbrush already had a price label on it beneath it. And, and he knew that obviously. Um, but I explained to him that it was a label for the display and that's just how they do it at every target. We have them next to TVs for a penny. You, you're not going to give you a TV for a penny either. Um, so he started citing state laws about pricing and how we have to give him the price, the lowest price that it's ticketed as, where that only applies to food. So that doesn't really work either. But, you know, he took out his phone when he was getting frustrated and took a picture of me. 
um, you know, obviously kind of threatening that he was going to put it out there that I'm the manager that is not honoring these prices and how dare I am breaking the law. Um, but I wasn't going to give it to him for a penny. I just can't do that. We'd, we'd lose so much money. So I ended up offering to bag his stuff while we waited for the police to come because he said he was going to call the police. So I said, sure, um, I'll bag the rest of your, your things for you while we wait, uh, if that works for you. And so I just sat there bagging his things and the police came. And of, of course, you know, all they could do is file his statements because there's really nothing that you can do. It's a civil matter. Um, and I knew there was no, not going to be any, you know, charges pressed. So of course we, we all walk away from the situation, all of us target employees laughing <coughs> like that was weird. Um, little did we know exactly how weird it was. So it, this whole situation just so bizarre, I think. And, um, something that, uh, I know that you posted a while ago that um, kind of just reflects um, your attitude toward this whole thing as well is when you're angry with a policy or procedure, just remember that it's a human being that's trying to help you. And another thing to remember, brush your teeth today. Um, I, I thought that was really interesting because you, your messaging was so consistent across the board in reaction to this whole thing. And I think that's what makes it so raw and, and what makes it so authentic. So I'm curious to, to see, you know, if there was any point where you're like, all right, this, this is ridiculous. Or if you just kind of kept going with uh, that positive first mentality throughout this whole experience. Yeah. Like I never, I can honestly say I've never felt like hostile towards, towards him. I've never felt angry or felt like he, you know, what he did was wrong. Putting my face out there was wrong. Maybe calling the cops he felt like was the right thing to do. Um, I don't feel like there's ever a situation where you should be putting my face out there for, for all to see and shaming me. Um, that was certainly wrong, but I don't, I don't feel anger towards him because honestly, I feel like we need to have more of an understanding of other people. And if he seems to be going through something. I don't know what it is, but if you're really that angry and you need to pick a fight about this, there's something wrong. So I'm not going to be angry at a person like that. There's, there's no use in it. And honestly, if I were angry at someone like that, I'd be angry all the time working customer service. So it's, it's better to just let this stuff go. So this gentleman took the photo of you. Obviously you were not prepared for the photo. Um, you know, you just, you just had, <laughs> yeah, you just had, you just had a face. It was just, you, it was just an off, off the target photo. And <laughs> And this gentleman who we're not going to name names because he doesn't deserve, you know, the spotlight who has a blue check mark on Twitter posted it. And he thought that he was going to, you know, be the man on top of the castle and everyone's going to be like, yeah, you know, that person at target was in the wrong, but it completely backfired. So you want to go into details with that? Yeah. I think that's kind of the whole beauty of this entire situation is that something that could have been really embarrassing and, mortifying for me being publicly shamed turned into the complete opposite and I don't think anything can really prepare you for being put in the spotlight um in that way and you know so much news coverage and so many people um you know coming to my work calling my work showing up um news reporters and and, and it was a lot to take in but I think the best part about it it was it was all positive coverage everything was positive and the reaction from people to his tweet 
all the way to, you know, reporters doing the story, putting the story out there. It's been so positive and we need so much more of that. We need so much more positivity and people coming together to support one another. And I'm, I'm really happy and thankful that I was able to be kind of the face of that for a while. I, I really, I feel so lucky and fortunate. So it's, it's been an incredible journey and to, to continue keeping that positivity going is really my mission at this point. And when we're speaking of bringing people together and supporting you in particular, um, there was a GoFundMe at one point. Um, and we'll, let's hear a little bit more about that and uh, the subsequent vacation that you had after. Yeah. So the GoFundMe, honestly, when I tell the story for the first you know, week or so, when I would be telling the story, the person that had already heard the story that would be sitting next to me would say, like my mother or somebody would say, wait, do, tell them about the GoFundMe. Because I would always <laughs> forget about the money because my mind is just blown by all the support that I've gotten because it's just un- unreal. Um, but yeah, the GoFundMe is kind of the coolest part in a lot of ways, I guess. Um, Carpe Donctum, who's someone, I guess, who makes political memes, I've never heard of this person until now, obviously, um, decided that he would start a GoFundMe for me. I guess he might have done this for other people as well. Um, but just to send me hypothetically on vacation. I don't know if he ever thought that something would come of it truly. Um, but he said it with the goal of $5,000 being the goal to, to send me on a vacation for having to deal with this, this whole ordeal. Um, and then it grew and grew and grew. And I remember I would, I would look at my phone and I would sometime refresh, you know, within a minute, just be like, Oh my God, another hundred dollars. Oh my God. Another. It's just mind blowing. Um, and to see it, to see it grow and the support and, you know, within a few days, it ended up being up to $34,000. So God. just, yeah. And it's, it's so cool that so many people rallied behind this and I, I don't feel like I deserve it because quite frankly, that was not the worst day I've had at work. I've been treated way worse than that, which is so sad. Um, <laughs> but you know, to, to feel that much support from so many people is just incredible and I want to pass that forward but I did however have to take that vacation because you know that's what the money was intended for so naturally um, I ended up choosing to go to Hawaii which was incredible um, I went I went to Hawaii long plane flight let me tell you it was <laughs> it was um, it was pretty rough that's that was the worst part of the vacation you know by far um, but then you know once I got there it was beautiful. Um, the water was amazing, of course, and I got to have some of the local coffee and um, eat some great stuff there, some fish, all the good stuff. Um, but I also got to go on KHON2, which is their local um, news station, and be a part of Living 808, which was incredible. I love the people there. They're so sweet, so kind. Everyone that I met was so so kind. Um, and they knew my story, which was really exciting. So it was great to, to spread it more in Hawaii, and I'm still in touch with them now. Um, and they're, they're all great people. So it was a great vacation and I would do it a hundred times over, even though the flight was horrendous. I would do it a hundred <laughs> times over. <laughs> and you were saying too, that, you know, this person that created the GoFundMe was someone that creates political memes and you ended up becoming a meme of your own on yeah. Twitter and you're getting <laughs> fan art too. I am. I'm getting a lot of fan art, which I really like. I think that's might be one of my favorite things. Every time something new comes out, I freak out because I think it's the coolest thing ever. And it becomes my wallpaper on my phone. Um, because it's just, it's the weirdest thing that people are so interested 
um, and just my face now because, you know, it does, it does speak volumes. I feel like that look, we've all had it before, especially if you work in retail or restaurant, any service industry. Um, and yeah, no, it's, it's really cool. It's a cool experience. I think we might have to reach out to the, um, the original, I think, was it Troy Vader or something like that? Troy um, Vader, yeah, he's great. Yeah. Um, he's the one who did that kind of original photo of me that I think was really cool. It was a really cool cartoony photo. Um, I did get in touch with him and asked him if I could use it for things, and he said yes. He gave me the go-ahead, so um, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I think as fans of wall art ourselves, we're probably going to have to shoot him a quick message and say, what does it take to buy it off you? But, Seriously, um, I, it's really cool. He has, makes really cool stuff. So I've loved working with, that's another thing that I've been doing is I love working with people um, and kind of getting their name out there in any way that I can. So my videographer, um, I, when I went to Hawaii, I recorded a video because I felt like that was something that I should do for everyone that put this money into the vacation. It was just the right thing to do, show them I enjoyed it so they could have a little piece of it. So that's on my YouTube. Um, it's Team Tori is my YouTube and that's up there um, to check out. But Michael, my videographer was incredible. Such, such great people. And I like I like putting their names out there because I think it's important. They're working hard. So. so after all of this, you know, you've always remained such a positive attitude and you always seem to put, you know, your best foot forward and continue to just be uphearted and, and smiling and happy. And you obviously continue this positivity. And I read a few stories um, that you've done since, you know, the whole incident. Can you just explain one of them? I believe it was, you know, the broken windshield was one that one yeah. of the first things that I saw. Yeah, so I actually saw on the news that someone had thrown, I think it was a, a battery through um, an ice cream truck's window in Fall River, which was kind of nearby where I worked. Um, it was like a town over. So I, I being an ice cream lover myself was outraged naturally because you can't not have ice cream during the summer. And I know that this person really depended upon that for their income. Um, so I thought it was a, a great opportunity for me to find a way to give back. And I feel like so many people not there's anything wrong with it, we'll give to these cancer societies or, you know, all these, all these big, um, big opportunities for donations. And I saw that there are so many small opportunities where amount of money that I would give to a big, big place to donate wouldn't even matter. It would be just another penny in the bucket. Whereas for this individual, if I could spare a couple hundred dollars to have her windows fixed, then she could, you know, continue making her livelihood with this truck. So it was great. I got to meet up with her. She's incredible um, and help restore those windows. And the actually um, place that we went, I forget what it is called, but is in the photos that I have on my social media, they actually paid for half of it as well. They offered to pay for, for the full of it, but we were fighting over who would pay. Help. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, you, you don't see that every day. That, that's kind of nuts. Um, we talked a lot about what positivity you have taken from the situation and whatnot, but I think we're both curious on Target um, and how they, what their role in this whole situation was after. So we're wondering maybe if there was someone at your Target store or somewhere in the. Uh, in the region or maybe HQ if they got involved and how uh, and what their role in this was. Yeah. So with Target, of course, this is something that was in the news. So it was big, um, big enough that it, it alerted them to, uh, you know, send some resources my way. So they were really, really great. I really think I can't thank them enough for helping me out. Um, you know, they were there to listen to me when, when I needed help with anything, they fielded phone calls for me. 
Um, it was definitely overwhelming the first couple of days being chased down by media. Um, but I think that they did an awesome job for me helping me out, um, with all the media and the PR things that I had to go through. So, and I also think that, you know, the whole team at that store deserves a thank you as well, because they had to go through this with me. They had to deal with people coming into the store, the countless phone calls that they had to field for me to the store. Um, you know, that's time and energy and effort that they shouldn't have had to expend. So I'm, I'm really appreciative of, of them doing that for me. Oh, one of the reasons why we started this segment on the podcast, uh, this podcast was born in quarantine and there's just been a lot of negative news. So we wanted to have that. So the way to end the podcast is with that positivity. So when we were kind of going over what we wanted to include each week, I definitely brought up your name one of our first weeks, just being like, Tori has a great story. She's remaining positive throughout all of this. So how are you holding up in quarantine and during this crazy time? And what are some other things that you want to, you know, say to our listeners on how to remain positive during this just crazy time? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's hard for everyone. No one likes being kind of confined and feeling like you're not seeing your family, your friends. You really realize how important those connections are and just not speaking to your pet. Sometimes it's really nice not to speak to your pet in the walls in your house. You just need another person to interact with. Um, so it's, it is tough, but I think the most important thing is just to, to focus on, you know, yourself and bettering yourself during this time, whether it's exercising or learning something new. This is the time that we are always wanting when we're at work all the time, wanting to have, oh, I wish I had free time. I'd read that book. I wish I had free time. I would, you know, do something more different or I think now's the time to do it. Um, carpe diem, seize the day and, and do something with this time and use it to your benefit. That's all that we can do right now because we're stuck. We're, we're in it. This is all we can do. We can just make the best of it. But that doesn't mean that you have to be happy all the time either. And even though I'm positive, it seems 24-7, I'm not positive 24-7. That's just not possible. You know, I have times where I'm frustrated or, you know, feeling like I need to see my mom or, you know, see family members and I, I feel that too. And so you don't always have to be positive, but try to, to make it positive, put a positive spin on it for sure. And I think that if anyone can take away anything from my situation, <clears throat> what I'd like them to take away is that we need to be better to one another. We can be better to one another and we need to stop assuming the worst of people right out of the gate. You know, if someone cuts you off in their car, unless they give you the middle finger, it's, it's, it is possible that they're just distracted because they're having a hard time, or maybe it's an elderly person who shouldn't be driving, but does losing your marbles really help the situation? Probably not. So I want everyone to just think about pausing before they react, pause and, and be kind. And that's a new brand that I'm working on putting out there and I'll soon be launching, which I'm excited about, but called pause be kind and i hope that it encourages people to do just that that's so great and i think before we let you go um first of all thanks so much uh for for coming on and sharing your story but more importantly i think you know things like that what you just said you know you're launching new stuff even still um and with your huge following where can our listeners get involved where can they find you on social media and um and how can they hop on board yeah, absolutely. So Twitter obviously is like 
the major thing that I use because that's where I was publicly shamed. But um, my Twitter handle is at RealTargetTori. Um, and then I also do have an Instagram, which is just my name, Tori Parati, P-E-R-R-O-T-T-I. And then YouTube, which I'm starting to get into slowly, um, but does have my vacation video on it. That is, um, I think it's also under Team Tori or Pause Be Kind. So you can find it under those things. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tori. Uh, really appreciate it. And we hope you stay safe. And thanks again. Thank you so much. You as well. Thanks, Tori. All right. That was Target Tori, Tori Parati. Um, she's another one that is just, I, I'm not going to say Bryant produces just standout, you know, top of the line people across the board, but there's two examples. Um, judge for yourself. I mean, I'm just, we're just giving you the facts here, right? Um, Targetory, uh, I keep calling her Targetory, but her name's Tori. <laughs> Tori's great. You know, we knew her as Tori in school. Um, she was always great. You know, um, another kick-ass person that came from the Bryant tree. And, uh, you know, she's another one that's uh, going to be a good friend of the show. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the Bryant coaching tree. <laughs> the Bryant coaching tree is right. Uh, that's about it for episode six. Um, I'm not going to fuck up the social media handles this week on Instagram. They're dots. That's how I remember the dot BBB dot podcast. Uh, Twitter just replaced the B or the dots with underscores. That's the underscore BBB underscore podcast. Um, pushing out some content. Uh, Will and I are, we're going to write. I promise you, we keep saying it every week. We're going to start writing. Yeah. Uh, we're holding each other accountable for at least one post a week. So if you don't see that, um, you have the right to torch us in the comments and you should, if you've listened this long, you should have the right to torch us in the comments anyway, for whatever you want. So there you go. There's your invitation. But we appreciate, yeah, we appreciate the constant feedback and support. Uh, the social media and the following is growing. So keep sharing along. And we have another great interview next week that we're excited to announce big social media presence during this quarantine. So keep a lookout on that and different hints we drop. But other than that, I'm Will. J this, that's Jake. <laughs> I'm Will. This is Jake. <laughs> and we're signing off to next week. So take it easy. So long, folks.